All right, so Mark chapter 4, verses 21 to 34. I'm going to go ahead and read before we start. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when, when sown on the ground is the smallest of the seeds on the earth. Yet when it, is, when it grows up, it becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches, so the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful for your word. We're thankful for uh, the gospel of Mark that he saw fit to write to the people in Rome. And we just um, pray, Lord, that you would be applying his message to them, uh, that you would apply it to us today as well. And Holy Spirit, you would... Um, convict us and challenge us um, in our suppositions about who you are and our thoughts about who you are. Uh, Lord, help us to know you more deeply than we do today. God, help us walk out of here having a deeper trust, a deeper faith, a deeper longing for your presence in our life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, Okay, cool. Yeah. Hey, so listen. Uh, Mark is writing to a group of people, right? You, you know, sometimes we're reading the Bible and we're like, just kind of read words on a page. And we're like, okay, here's some words. What do they mean to me today? You know, like what's, uh, what's this, what, what sticks out to me? But you need to remember as we read the gospel of Mark that Mark is actually writing to a specific group of people um, at a specific time. Uh, about 2,000 years ago, he was writing to a persecuted church in Rome um, and in the Roman the nation around, right, in the Roman Empire. And so Mark is writing this gospel to Christians uh, and those that may hear as well to encourage them and remind them of their faith. They're being persecuted for their faith. The, the seed that's been planted in them is, is being spoken against, and on account of the seed that is planted in them, they're receiving persecution, So in his message to them, he is reminding them over and over again that the battle is won. Yeah, it may look like the battle is not won, right? Because, I mean, the Roman Empire is still oppressing you and now is killing you for your faith. It may look very grim, but remember what Jesus did. Remember these things. And so throughout his gospel, I just encourage you to keep that in mind that Mark has chosen parts of Jesus' life and things he remembers and stories that he walked through himself and saw Um, And he's chosen them and ordered them in such a way that that the people in Rome might have faith in the good news of Jesus Christ and cling to it. 
as the, as the passage day wraps up, it says, with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. These aren't the only parables Jesus spoke. He spoke many things to them. But these are the ones they said, this is important for the people in Rome to hear and understand that the time has been fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, and they need to repent and believe. This is what he needs to get across. The same thing is found in, in John's Gospel, uh, chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name, as opposed to death, that you may have life. And so, to put it in terms of our last week's passage, as we're looking at soils, uh, you might consider it this way, that the people in the context at which this book is being written are potentially rocky soil, right? They, they are literally being persecuted on account of the word, is what is said about the people in rocky soil, the people in rocky soil who lose faith, right? Their root isn't deep, and so when persecution account of the word comes or tribulation comes, the seed that was planted, the gospel seed, is taken away from the one with rocky soil. So Mark is looking at this body of believers. He doesn't judge their hearts. He's just saying, listen, you are facing persecution. You're facing tribulation. Take heart. Continue to have faith in this gospel. Continue to have faith in Jesus. And so he's chosen and ordered all these teachings, all these stories, in such a way to encourage them back toward that end to trust deeply in the gospel. So as we enter into this passage today, I have a question for you before we get started. And actually, I'm going to literally have you kind of answer this question in little, little pods if you want. Um, give you a few minutes. The question is this. Are secrets good or bad? Are secrets good or bad? Now, talk, just take, take a few minutes. Maybe we've got some house music real quick for just like a minute or two. Just, there's a, you guys are sitting at tables or on couches or whatever. Maybe find two, three people, whatever it is, and just say, yeah, I think they're good or I think they're bad or, or whatever. Discuss, okay? I'll give you, give you, I'm going to give you a couple minutes, okay? So turn to your neighbor. Find a friend, okay? I know I haven't done this in a while, but this is something I try to do normally, okay? Talk amongst yourselves. Is our secrets good or our secrets bad?
I know, right? <laughs> okay, okay. It seems like you guys like each other. Man, this is good job, man. Like conversations are probably going way deeper than I expect them to go. Um, but so hold on to that conversation. Maybe continue to have that. I'm sure you guys all solved it. I'll, I'll just maybe take a couple of volunteers. Our secrets good. Anybody say secrets are good? We've got some good hands. Okay. Yeah. Why, why, Paul? Why are secrets good? Oh, what? Oh, oh, you see what he did there? Wow. Nicely done. Nicely done. Okay. Anybody else think secrets are good, not bad? Because that secret was that it was bad. I can't even follow the logic. Oh my gosh. Hattie. Depends on the secret. Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, well, this is great. This is a great day for secrets because we have a secret that we're going to share right now. I was going to maybe share it later, but we're going to share it now because it's a great time to share because we're talking about secrets, especially good ones. Hey, uh, Marcus and Brenda, you know, uh, I got to tell you that on band, you can have private chats. And so on band, we've been having a private chat about giving you a pounding. So we're going to give you a pounding now. So if you all come up front, everyone's going to surround and get your rock or whatever. Uh, we're just going to give you a pounding. and you. Um, but really, do, do come up here real quick, and I'll symbolically give you a pounding. Come up. Go, go up front. Go up front real quick. No, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. It's, it's, it's okay. It's, no, no, it's okay. It's fine. It's all, it's, okay. it's totally okay. Um, all right, we'll just, we'll bring a few of these. Okay, I don't know. I mean, there's so many. Okay, this is, this is just representative, okay? Because like you can see that we've got more things. But here's some, we got some Ziploc bags, okay? Okay, okay, we got this, look at this bag. Okay, there's literally a pound of flour there. Okay, there's, there's some baking soda. Uh, looks like even some light brown sugar, okay? So uh, a pounding, we're told by Sandy, is not that we get to beat you up, but we were hoping to, but it's not what it is. So um, here you go, here you go, here, I'm gonna take you this. Um, all these things on the back there are, are just household items uh, that you might need. So as you're moving in, so uh, the idea is to give you a pound of everything, but so there's a, a pound of everything over there. So, surprise! <laughs> That's a good secret, right, Finn? That's a good secret. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> secrets are good. See? Secrets are good. Um, they can be bad. They, actually, they can be bad. <laughs> secrets can be bad. The secret about the air, yeah, did they not tell you about the air conditioner? Sorry about that secret. They kept that one. <laughs> Yikes. That was rough. That's a rough secret. Um, Okay, so, so we, we are talking about secrets. Um, I'm going to jump in, jump in here. Um, verses 21 and 22, we're, we're actually talking about secrets. And there's something secretive, kind of, about what Jesus is doing in his life. Uh, and so in this passage, we have three parables, okay? And it's going to shock you, but I think they have a purpose <laughs> in their arrangement, actually. And, uh, and so the first one is about a lamp, Okay. Um, it says this, and he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed or not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, and nor is anything secret except to come to a light. And so the question here is, what is a lamp? Like, 
What is it about a lamp? I think the, the idea of a lamp being something that lights a room is obvious, right? That's a pretty obvious example. But what is Mark trying to get across here? Um, what we see in the text is that this isn't just any lamp. This is the lamp, okay? Everyone I read on this passage just pointed to the fact that, like, this is something specific Mark does. He literally calls out the lamp, okay? If you go back to verse 21, Abe, Abe, you back to 21? You go back a slide? Yeah, 21, sweet. He said to him, is a lamp brought to you? It's important to recognize that it's not just a lamp that is brought. It's actually the lamp, a definitive article, the lamp. A single lamp has been brought forward. And if this lamp comes forward, then, then why? Is it put on a basket or bed? No, it's put on a stand. The lamp is put on a stand. Uh, this idea of a lamp has been associated throughout the Old Testament. Think about fulfillment, okay? A time has been fulfilled, right? Isn't that part of the good news of Mark's gospel? A time has been fulfilled. The lamp has come. The lamp has physically come. This word for come is of a human coming to something. The lamp has come. And so you think of passages like 2 Kings 8, 19 that says, Yet the Lord was not willing to destroy Judah for the sake of David his servant, since he promised to give a lamp to him and to his sons forever. And uh, Psalm 132, 17, There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. This idea of a lamp as the one that is coming is uh, throughout the Old Testament. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Jesus is this fulfillment of the lamp that is to come. And Jesus speaks of himself in this way also in John uh, chapter 8, verse 12, when he says, And again, sp he spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In Mark 4, 21, Jesus is the lamp. He's not just proverbially speaking. He's not saying, you know how a lamp lights up a room? He's not just saying that as, like a, a, as a truism. He's saying, no, the lamp has come. The lamp is coming here, and you don't just put this lamp uh, under a basket or under a bush. Uh, rather, you put it on a stand. And he transitions that straight into, uh, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, for anything in secret, ex nor is anything secret except to come to light. This is the purpose of something that has been hidden, i.e. the lamp, is for it to come into light, to be seen. The purpose of a secret is for it to be revealed. And this is when you decide whether a secret is good or bad, right? I mean, you guys have all been you know, through high school. Most of you have been through high school, right? Okay, and you, you have your high school friends. Some of you will go through high school, so avoid this, you know? Um, you have your high school friends, and you think, that's the cool person, uh, so I gotta make sure I'm cool. And so when a secret comes out about the not cool person, uh, or something comes out about them, you're like, you know, I can keep some secret from them and then we're going to make fun of them later, right? Many times we talk secretly about someone that we don't think is cool or whatever, right? Those are bad secrets. That's when a secret becomes bad, when you're keeping secrets about someone that is not nice to them. The, the content of the secret is what determines whether a secret is good or bad. If you're doing something that is illegal and you're, you're hiding that, that secret is bad, Right? You're hiding something. The secret is now bad. And so Jesus now speaking is saying every secret is meant to be revealed. 
And, and, and truly, if you're thinking of bad secrets, the fact is you often gloss over and say, oh, well, I've got this secret and I've got it so well kept that nobody's going to find out. And so I'm going to keep this secret. I'll be able to keep this secret. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. All the secrets come to light. In the end of it, all the secrets are exposed. And so he says the same thing of himself. Every secret is meant to come to light. It's meant to be manifest. Anything in secret comes into the light. And so here we see Jesus has come and he lights up this room. Just as in Galatians 4, verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Jesus is the fulfillment. Uh, Mark is telling his, uh, his readers there in Rome that, hey, the time of fulfillment has come. The lamp is coming into the world. And this lamp is going to be lifted up and put on a stand and seen. He challenges them immediately to, to think on this fact. He says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. The lamp has come. The lamp is coming. And he says to them and challenges them on this and says, you have to think deeply on this and sit deeply with this because the deeper you sit, the more you're going to receive. Verse 24, he says, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added. For to the one who has, more will be given, and for the, from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. What he's trying to do, again, is get their attention and say, listen. Get your, get your listening ears on. Listen to the words that Jesus is saying to them. He says, the lamp has come. There's a secret that's about to be manifest, and I really want you to hear this secret because it's for your good. It is a good secret. I love this little passage here in, in verses uh, 23 to 25. It says, pay attention. The measure you use, it will be measured out to you. You know what that means is that when you're coming to the Lord and wanting to know what he wants to reveal to you, the, the secret he wants to reveal to you, you can bring the biggest cup possible, right? There's not a cup too big that you can't bring to the Lord. It says, with the measure you use, it will be measured out to you, okay? With the measure you use. You bring him a small cup, you're going to get a small feeling. You bring a big cup, you're going to get a big feeling. If you fill that cup halfway and want him to fill the rest, you know, you've reduced your filling, right? So when you come to the Lord, with what measure you bring him is what you will receive. So dump out your cup, you know, and get the biggest cup possible and come to the Lord and say, Lord, fill me up. I want all of what you have to say. I want to know this secret that you have for my life, which isn't so secret anymore, and we're going to talk about that. But like, bring this to the Father and say, God, fill me up. When you keep listening, you keep receiving more from the Lord. And so the question to us today is, uh, are we listening to what the Lord is saying? Or are we listening to what the Lord is doing in your life? Like, the Lord is doing something in your circumstances and in your life. Are you listening to what is happening? And not just going through these motions, but are you hearing as you see things come in and out of your life? Are you hearing what the Lord is saying to you in these circumstances? Because he's speaking through all of this. You know, when you are blessed and things are going well and something turns out good for you, right? Where do you attribute that? Are you attributing a blessing to 
chance, or luck, or effort, or upbringing, or family, or friends, or country, or intellect? Like, where are you attributing the blessing that comes in your life? Are you saying, that was from my, that was from me, that was something I did? You're saying, this is something I received from the Lord. God is busy doing stuff in our lives all around. The lamp has come, okay? And he is shining his light to us all the time and wants to speak to us and tell us that he is there and he's provided for us fully and completely. And the measure we bring to him, he will fill it up. He's trying to say to us in this first parable of this section that uh, the time has been fulfilled. The lamp is coming into the world, okay? The, the expected Messiah, this lamp that will be the anointed one of David, he has come. He has come into the world, and he is here. The time of fulfillment is here. That's the first parable. The second parable is one of the sowers, verses 26 to 29, and it says this, and he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. I love this passage, and I don't know about you, but I love the part in verse 27 where it says, He knows not how. He knows not how, right? An expert farmer, it's his profession. This is what he does for a living to bring forth food from the earth. And he puts it and does it every, every day of his life. He's tilling up the soil, he's putting in seed, he's watering it, he's t- you know, tending it. He knows not how. <laughs> he knows not how it comes. I sent this passage to my father-in-law. If you go to the next little slide, I sent this passage to my father-in-law. and He's a soil scientist, so he knows soil like his whole life, he's studied soil, right? And taught soil, okay? So I said, uh, I said uh, this is what I said. I said, Jeff, does the sower of today know how the seed sprouts and grows? Does he know? Does he know today? I mean, we're 2,000 years advanced from this parable, right? Do we not know yet how? And you see it. Not all of them. I think some of them believe it's magic. Right? The farmer's still going, I don't know how it works 2,000 years later. This is, you know, this is his living. He studies soil. We scientists have learned that, uh, learned much, but normally it leads to more questions than answers. I love that. Because the deeper you go into the seed, you find out that there's these little, like, thinking organisms in there that are doing things in the middle of this tiny little seed, and you don't know what they're doing. They're just doing it. So beautiful, right? So the sower of today, the soil scientist of today says, yeah, I don't, I mean, we kind of know more, but we don't actually know how it springs to life out of the ground. He knows not how. We don't understand a seed and how, uh, how can we comprehend then the hearts of men. We simply spread the seed knowing that the seed turns into harvest by the power of the kingdom of God. Our call as believers, and Mark's call to the believers there in Rome is, yeah, I know that you're being persecuted for your faith, but I want to challenge you to keep spreading the seed of the gospel. Keep telling people. Keep telling them, because you have no idea if that centurion who's persecuting is going to know or not. 
Okay? You have no idea the heart of the soil of the person that's persecuting you. So continue to spread the soil, spread the seed. Paul reflects on this reality in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 to 9. He says, What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. But, and for we are fellow workers, you are God's field and God's building. Jesus challenges them that there, there's a call to be sowing something. And I bet you maybe know what the sowing is. It's, it's the gospel. The, the seed that we're sharing is the gospel. The fact that we need Jesus. Okay? It's that piece of, of Mark's uh, description of, the God, of good news from Jesus that a time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come, and this part, repent and believe. That's the seed we're sharing. That's what we're trying to tell people, that there is this call in the end of Jesus' gospel to repent and believe, to acknowledge that your past ways are not good enough and never measure up to a perfect and holy God. And the only way you become righteous and holy is if you're refined by the fires of the Lord and stand before Him righteous, not by what you did, but what by Jesus did. We repent from that which our past held for us, and we believe that only by Jesus can our righteousness be fulfilled. This is the sowing of seed that we share. It, it is a message that, um, that is very important. We think of maybe times, uh, you know, in the Word as times that are encouraging for us, encouraging in our scenarios and circumstances to give us hope and all, all this, but we have to remember that the heart of the gospel is that without Christ, I'm destined for eternity to be separated from my Father in heaven. How often do I reflect on that, that because I've had faith in Christ Jesus, not on anything that I've done, but because of what Christ has done, I now have the hope and assurance of an eternal life with Jesus. We don't sit here judging the hearts of men, trying to understand, well, that person looks like they might believe in the gospel, so I'll give them a seed. And that person looks like they won't, so I'm going to keep my seed from them. No, no, no. You don't understand. I don't understand. The farmer doesn't understand how the seed grows. He has no idea. He's just called and knows that fruitfulness in the kingdom, that is the sustaining of my life as a human being, counts on me putting seed in the ground. And in the same way, right, if someone's going to come to know Jesus, they have to have the seed. And so I have to give it to them. Regardless of what I see or I may judge on the outside about someone, I just give the seed. Just as the sower has no idea whether the seed is going to grow or how it's going to grow, I just give the seed and this is the seed. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God in Christ Jesus is eternal life. For while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. That God so loved the world that he sent his only son that I might have eternal life in him. That the Son of Man must be lifted up that I might come in, just like the snake in the wilderness was lifted up by Moses. That I would look to him and be saved. 
We are sowers in this field. And this message is very simple. Jesus came to die for you. And in all your effort in life to live a perfect life, you've done things. And you say, okay, I'm going to stack this up. My, my deeds look better than their deeds, so I must be good. And God's saying, I'm perfect and holy. Nothing of darkness can stand in my presence. And guess what? I will give you that presence if you trust in the blood of my son, Jesus. And so we sow. It's a hard word to share. I mean, it is. Look, he's writing to a people in Rome who are persecuted for this belief. And I'm sure if you go tell someone today, you're like, uh, yeah, you know, um, I believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. They might not like that. They might think you're wrong. They might be mad at you because they think that's uh, uh, bigoted or, or hard-hearted. But Jesus came, and he lived a perfect life, and he died on a cross for you and for me. And he said of himself that I'm the lamp that's coming. I'm the secret that is to be revealed. And so we sow. Finally, verses 30 to 32 uh, say that the kingdom is coming. It says this in verses 30 to 32, the kingdom, what can we compare this kingdom that we're welcoming people into? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? He says, it's like the grain of a mustard seed, which when sown into the ground is the smallest, one of the smallest, of the earth. And yet when, it's, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that birds of the air can make their nest in its shade. This small little seed is, is sown in a garden, like just a you know, small garden. And it grows bigger than garden plants. It looks like a tree in the garden, but it's just a garden plant. So from this little seed, this, this garden plant becomes like a tree so that all these plants and all these birds can actually come and make their nest there. It's so big as a garden plant that birds can make nests in its shade. This picture of the kingdom is just telling us that, that this kingdom comes from a very small origin, just like anything would. It comes from a small origin. Just a little seed. And it's not held back for one specific group of people. It's, it's held back for all the birds to come and have a nest under it. The kingdom of God, is what's being said here, is that the kingdom of God will extend beyond Israel to all nations. We see some of this throughout the Old Testament, but specifically in Ezekiel 17, 22 and following, it says this, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of cedar and will set it out. I will break off the topmost of its young twigs, a tender one, and I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel will I plant it, that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. And under it will dwell every kind of bird in the shade of the branches. Birds from every sort will make their nest. And all the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I bring low the high tree and make high the low tree. 
dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it. This picture of Israel being a tree for all the birds is a, is a picture of a, of a tree being uh, ready for all the nations. Jesus is saying this kingdom that I'm talking about is not just reserved for a specific heritage of people. It's reserved for all people to come and find their rest in the kingdom of God. Find their provision here in the kingdom of God. So we see these three parables and Again, you've heard me say it over and over and over again. The, the message of Jesus throughout Mark is uh, the time of fulfillment has come. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe. And now here you see three parables that, uh, that say uh, the time of fulfillment has come. Repent and believe. There's a seed. And the kingdom of God is like this. At the center of what Jesus is getting to them is this repent and believe. You have to hear this seed. This seed is so important for you to know. This is not based on what you have done, but it's based on what Christ has done. This is the seed we're sharing in the kingdom. So some questions for us as we walk away from this passage. First, are we lifting up Jesus in our life? Are we lifting up Jesus in our life? Do, do we recognize, as we look at our life, that he's the lamp? Or are we just putting like our own lamps, you know, generally through the house? The lamp has come, and his name is Jesus. Is that the one that we are trusting in and hoping in and putting our faith in? Second, for us as believers, are we sowing faithfully among the nations? First, are, are we like judging who should hear the word and just giving it to them? Or are we just like indiscriminately just sharing the seed with our life? And what does that look like? Often we think of that and we're like, okay, I've got to be a street evangelist. Is that what you're saying? You've know, got to go spread the seed out as a street evangelist. Maybe. I mean, if the Lord tells you to do that, then Yes. <laughs> But it's a lot of things. The spreading of seed is a lot of things. And, uh, it, you know, it's the rhythm of your life. Like, how have you set up your life? Does it include the Lord? Is he a, a part of what you're doing? Is he the focus of what you're doing? It's the actions you take. Are they actions that are motivated by uh, the secret desires of yourself? Or are they motivated by demonstrating the sacrificial love of Jesus. Your calendar. Is your calendar set up in such a way that you, you make time there for the Lord each day and recognize that this is the Lord's day that he's given me. This is the Lord's week that he's given me. This is the Lord's year that he's given me. Are your rhythms of your calendar saying, you know what, I don't trust in my own effort, I trust in God. Your talents, are they talents that you've procured yourself or do you recognize that, that God gifted you with talents that you have? Yes, you can make them better and grow in them, but God gave you something. How are you using it? 
your treasure? Do, do, you, do you recognize that God has provided for you everything you have? And do you worship him by saying, God, I'm going to give you a portion of this because I recognize that the whole 100% came from you. And so I'm going to give you a little bit just to say, I trust you. All those actions and rhythms and calendars and, and your life matters because people, as you know, I've said this many times, people are watching you. And specifically, you parents, little ones are watching you. They're watching your rhythms. They're watching your life. And they're making judgments about what is trustworthy and what is not based on what you do and what you say and how you act. Do you have to be perfect? Thank God, no. But you do have to come back to where is my hope? When I've wronged my child, do I seek forgiveness from them? When I've wronged my spouse, do I seek forgiveness from them? Do I demonstrate that, that this gospel message is working itself out in my life? So it's not just words that you might share on a street corner. But also it is words. God has sovereignly placed you among people that you work with, uh, friends that you're, uh, that you're around, neighbors you have, family you have. Your life is speaking to them, yes. And, and we can say in kind of like a very like, nice way, well, I'm just letting my actions speak. That's good. That's a good thing. But Holy Spirit wants to speak through you also. When he gives you an opportunity to speak, he wants you to actually say the words. Paul reflects on this in Romans 10, 14 to 17. He says, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless someone is sent? And how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news? But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We can't just live these actions. That's good. God is going to call us at times to speak of our faith and say, actually, this is where my hope is from. This is why I do what I do um, and speak to it. So I challenge you, if God calls you to that, he speaks to you, and the Holy Spirit's going to convict you and say, you know what, this is the time. You need to share this gospel hope with the person that he's put in your life. Know that your words also are the seed that God wants you to sow. Are we sowing faithfully among the nations? Finally, are we practicing hospitality to the family of God? This kingdom of God that grows is, is like a garden plant that grows up. And the, the blessing and provision that God has poured out on us, we pour out to those in, a, in, in our family. Right? It's so beautiful for someone to throw a quick message out on band and say, you know, let's, let's do a pounding for, for uh, Marcus and Brenda and get a plentiful harvest here and say, here you go. And that's a beautiful picture. But you know what? I've seen in this body of believers that that's just normal. This is just how we operate. We're going to care for you. If you come here, we're going to care for you with everything we have. And that's how the kingdom should be. We should care about everyone that wants to come and hear and be stewarded under the gospel message of Jesus and have it applied to their lives. We're here to lift each other up and support each other and know that God is our provider. And we give as freely as he gave to us, we give. 
Are we practicing hospitality in the family of God? I hope that you continue to look at the Gospel of Mark um, with this myopic focus, honestly. A single-hearted focus as you read the Gospel of Mark. I hope as we continue on in this that you just keep hearing the Gospel. If you come and read the book of Mark intellectually or devotionally, maybe that's good. You know, you, There's some things you can learn. You can learn about you know, the fact that a lamp does light a room, and, and proverbially, you know, it's, it's a good thing, you know, and all that. And yeah, a sower doesn't understand seed, and that, that's good that he, you know, it's really, that's mysterious and wonderful that that's a thing. Um, and, and we can come here on Sundays and, and be encouraged by a beautiful worship set and wonderful music and, and all of this, but if we lose the heart of what Mark is trying to say to us through his gospel, then it's all for naught. The thing that has changed every follower of Jesus in this room is that God has gotten a hold of our hearts and said, you can't do it on your own. You need a Savior to come and step into your life and close the gap between me and you. We've seen a holy God. We've seen that we cannot live up to even our own standards, let alone the standards of God who created the universe. And the secret about Jesus and his coming, this lamp that is coming. Everyone expected him to be this great king, the Messiah, to come and restore the authority of the country of Israel against the Roman oppression. That's what they thought the Messiah was going to do. And the secret about the Messiah is that instead of that, he was crafting his life step by step to reveal to these folks that he has died for them. And he will, rather than conquering Rome, he would hang on a Roman cross for the sins of the world. The secret that's been held in the time of fulfillment about the Messiah is that the Savior is coming not to rule on a white throne when He comes in His first coming, but rather to die on a cross for us. There's good news from the battlefield of life. The victory has been won by Jesus at the cross. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful for the gospel and so thankful for how it's changed and transformed our lives. I think we can all attest that we wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. You are the lamp that leads our life. So God, we trust you with all that we are. We give you our lives. And we ask you, Lord, take our lives, shape them and mold them, that as we spread seed, more would come into this kingdom. And know the hospitality and the provision that comes from our Father in heaven. Lord, we're so grateful that someone planted a seed in our hearts if we follow Jesus. 
And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be indiscriminate farmers, not knowing how it works, just throwing out the seed with our lives, saying, come and see. Come and see this one who saved my life, who changed me and took me from death to life. Come and see this Jesus, creator of heaven and earth, who came and died on a cross for my sin. Come and see him. Come and know him. God, we thank you for sending your son into the world that we might have life in him, life eternal. In his name we pray, amen.